Well, hello there and welcome to Fairfax 50 Plus, a series featuring discussions on issues of interest to residents 50 and over. I'm your host, Jim Person, and our guest today is Janelle Blue. She is the president of the Mount Vernon Genealogical Society. Janelle is here to tell us about the society and give us a better understanding of what genealogical research entails. She'll also give us some pointers for where to begin on our own genealogical project. But first, a little bit about her. She's a fifth-generation Texan, born and raised in Houston, graduated from the University of Houston with a B.S. in finance, spent 40 years in banking, retired as senior vice president and risk officer for PNC. She and her hubby have lived in the Mount Vernon area for the last 25 years, and after retirement, Janelle completed Boston University's certificate program in genealogical research. She's a member of various professional associations, also is a regular co-host of Tracing Your Family Roots. That's a program of Fairfax County Public Access TV's Channel 10. So, Janelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here to talk to us about this interesting subject. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start. Uh, Mount Vernon Genealogical Society. Uh, folks may not have known there was such an organization. Um, you know, give us the details, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, all that kind of stuff. How did it form? Why did it get started? Kind of kind of what it is. Sure. Well, we've been formed about 25 years. Oh, wow. um, we are located at 1500 Shenandoah Road in Alexandria. Oh, wow. It's right off of Fort Hunt Road, if, okay. if you're familiar with Phys- that area. A physical location. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. And um, we, we're actually in the senior center, the Holland Hall Senior Center. We rent space from them, and we have a, a research center there. Wow. Um, we also have monthly meetings, um, always have very good um, speakers about a, a variety of mm-hmm. different kinds of genealogical topics. So once a month we meet there. We also have education programs and um, other, in fact, on the 28th of this month, mm. uh, 28th of September, we're going to have a conference, all-day oh, conference. Wow. Okay. We've got nine different speakers from areas, different resources all over the um, the state, actually, including, wow. and actually, Maryland uh, Historical Society will be there as well. Mm. Our keynote speaker is Claire Kluskens, who is a senior archivist at NARA. So it's going to be quite a good day yeah. of... All kinds of uh, genealogical right. topics. Now, f- for the small sum of thirty-five dollars, you are wow. certainly welcome to attend. Okay. Was well, is this the the first kind of conference or annual event or, or not? An, or event is it this an annual one kind yes. of thing? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is an annual one. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And it's open to the public. So. Yeah. Wow. Who who knew this? Yeah. This just Jim was right in our community. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know I didn't. So this would be. Is it kind of a a well kept secret that the Mount Vernon Geological Society is there? Well, I don't think so. I mean, we try to do outreach so that um, sometimes we're exhibit at different okay. um, events, and we have a website, um, and we we do the the, the program mm-hmm. on the public mm-hmm. access TV. So yeah. yeah. We're there and um, would love for anyone to, to come and join right. us if you're interested in genealogy. Yeah. So from banking to genealogy, <laughs> how did you make that transition? 
Well, I've always been interested in my family history. And frankly, my family really wasn't that interested in genealogy. (laughs) I thought you were going to say your family really isn't that interesting. (laughs) Well, actually that too. I mean, they're just good, solid people who were farmers and, you know, didn't do any... I'm I'm not um, related to any royalty or anything like that. Um, But I I was always interested. Mm. And... um, my family were pri- primarily Germans who mm. came to Texas at various times, mm-hmm. and for whatever the reasons, they just they just didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the old country, right. and so uh, so I had to do a lot of research on my own, um, and. Some of that takes a lot of time. So mm. once you're retired, then um, yeah, I had you yeah. know I had a chance to do some of that. Right. Um, did it? Did this interest start when you had a career and you kind of dabbled in it when you could, or just you know? Yes, and of course, when ancestry finally appeared um. on the scene, um, you know, then it was fun to begin to mm. noodle around and to find surnames that seemed like my family. So, yeah, um, that's kind of when it began before I retired, but it got serious after that. Right. What was uh, something interesting that you learned or something that, uh, if if you want to share, I don't want to put you on the spot, but anything interesting or surprising or, you know, like, oh, I didn't know that kind of thing? Well, there's all kinds of surprises. Mm. It depends on what you're doing. You know, if I did, I've done a lot of DNA, um, but, um, and, and, but before that, I actually found my great, great grandparents um, online in oh, Family wow. Search, which is another d- database, which is huh. really good to use, because um, that's the family's history library uh, oh, okay. website. Okay, and I found where they were from in Prussian-occupied Poland, hmm. and actually. That then took me back to that country. I actually went to Poland last oh, year and um, I began to – I hired a researcher there because I don't speak the language. Right. And these documents are in old script German. Oh. So here I am in Poland looking for old script German documents. So I needed a researcher. Right. Um, and we spent four days going wow. to the archives and found some really neat stuff. You know, sometimes people – People do re- do research, genealogical research, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And some people do DNA because they're just interested in their ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And maybe they just want to see if there's another cousin there, and that's kind of fun to do. Mm-hmm. Some people really want to um, learn about their ancestors. They want to fill in that tree and they want to understand who those people were and what life was like for them. Right. And because I went to Poland and I was able to, very lucky, I'm told that a lot of these documents are no longer available. Mm. Oh, yeah. But um, I was able to find the land records wow. of my great-great-grandfather. Wow. And in those land records, there's like about 60 pages that I was able to take a picture of, and Mm. then now I'm having them translated. But I learned that he was a brick mason. Oh, neat. So every document starts with 
the Mauer, which is the German word for brick mason, it always identifies his occupation before his name. And I think that's because sometimes there was only one in the in the town and they were differentiating from other people. In right. this case, that name is not that common. So anyway, he was a brick mason. I was able to then really dig even further what kind of brick mason was he, a journeyman, a master, beginning to learn that. And I'm doing some investigation on what that might mean so Mm. that I understand more about where his station was within that community. Mm -hmm. Um, It it mentions his wife's name. So now I, you know, that confirms that he was married and what her maiden name was because they always mention her maiden name. Uh I know that it took him two years to get his clear title to the land that he was buying because the seller um, had some debt out against that land and he wasn't paying it and they weren't going to give my ancestor (laughs) clear title. So it took two years to do that for him. And then I also know that he borrowed money against the land the same way we do today. There was a mortgage. You know, he put up the land as collateral. Um, so all of that was told me something about what his life was like. I also know from going to that little town that there was a church there that was established approximately the time that he arrived. Hmm. We went up into the bell tower, very creaky steps <laughs> up to the top of the bell tower, and there was this bell, and, and my researcher did the he interpreted the inscription there and it was exactly within within about a year of when my ancestor bought that land there. Oh neat. So we're pretty sure he was a brick mason, the church was brick, right. had a stone foundation. Good possibility right. that was the reason he moved to that place. The land uh, record also told me where he lived before he went to that place. So yeah. I know that he wasn't originally there. Right. Um, then I found another book that told me that he was requesting to leave to go to America. And it says mm. that in that book. Neat. So it also told me the other families, because usually immigrants went with other people. They right, either right. had family members <laughs> or, or someone in the community. They seldom made that move on their own. So it told me who the other families were that were also petitioning to leave. It, it said that they, that they were all eligible to leave because they had no outstanding debts and they'd paid their taxes. Taxes were a big deal then. Um, and, and so um, that that's, was confirmation right, of right. when they left. Yeah. And in fact, the land record, when the last land record said it was documenting a transaction that had taken before, beforehand because he had already left for America oh, the, okay. the month before. Right. So, you know, you try to put that in today's context and it doesn't work. Right. If you well, think about, point, yeah. you know, if you think about today, you buy a mortgage, you buy a house, you get the mortgage, the title, it's all right there, you know, in the same day. You, right. Not here. They right. had to travel somewhere to a courthouse, and That's and then point, that yeah. document had to be presented, and then somebody had to write it down, and so it took several, sometimes yeah. a month or two before yeah. it we actually got documented. Yeah, interesting. Um, so now I know something about 
my family in that town that helps me understand them more as a person. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to discourage folks from getting interested in genealogical research because I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I have money. I don't know if I want to travel. You know, you went, you know, maybe 10 on a 10 scale. Can people do genealogical research on a 7 out of 10 scale, on a 2 out of 10 scale? I mean— Absolutely. Okay. What's kind of what's the process? Well— I know that's a real broad question, but— Well, so first of all, many people, especially people in this area, have roots that go—that, you know, their immigrants came in the 1600s or something. So there's a whole lot of information here in, in the U.S., a lot of times their your your ancestors would have traveled in different places maybe they started out on the east coast they went west or various things so yes there's lots that you can do and the first thing you can do is just go to that ancestry hmm. uh, a database or um, the family search uh, my heritage those kinds of databases you don't have to subscribe to those. You can go to your local library. You can usually mm-hmm. access them there. Uh, we have access at our uh, research center at Mount Vernon. Um, and begin the process of um, looking up, just noodling around and looking up stuff. I guess the best way to begin is what what is it that you want to know? Mm, so, you know, point. find an ancestor you're interested in. And usually it's always that side of the family that ha- you had more fun visiting when you were a kid <laughs> than the other side. Right. Um, but remember that you got the same amount of DNA from every one of those grandparents. So they're all important to you at some point. But decide which one is most interesting to you to begin right. with. And then begin to look for that person. Go to the senses. That's usually the best place to begin. If you know the names, if you mm-hmm. know the names of the people and, mm-hmm. it, you know, start with the most recent um, uh, generation that you can, um, because you can't know who great grandfather was if you don't know who grandfather was. Right, right. So start with the ancestors that you know or, and then go forward. Mm-hmm. Choose, a, choose a question and try to answer it that way. Go online and see if you can find birth certificates, marriage records. Um, mm. Go to the census. Go to all of the different senses that might have, apply, have applied to that particular generation. And, gosh, those things are filled with all kinds of information. Mm. They'll tell you who the parents, where the parents came right. from, in addition, you know, the ages. Don't rely on just the census because remember that. The census taker went to the house, and whoever was there could well have been the one who gave that information. Right. It could have been the 13-year-old. Right. It could have actually been the neighbor. So hmm. sometimes a census will have information that doesn't quite fit. Oh, okay. And that's why it's very important to look at many different years, right. m- many different decades of, of census information. And then you want to correlate that with whatever you can find, a birth record, a marriage certificate, and so hmm. forth. Don't ever forget about all the stuff that you may have in your attic or that your cousins may have, <laughs> right? Because it, it it may fill in some blanks or give you some clues. If you don't know 
anything about your family mm-hmm. um, and you're starting from absolute scratch, I mean, you can look at online trees, but be very careful about those because Why? people tend to sort of put what they think they know on there. Oh, okay. And then they'll also go, you know, their goal is to just plug the holes. Right, and so right. so they'll go to other trees and they'll say, ah, this guy knows this. And just they just plug it in. Gotcha. And it may or may not be correct. Right. So a lot of those trees have some misinformation on mm. them. And if you're going to look at trees, the best thing to do is find a tree that has citations it had it'll mm. have backup information okay. that's that's pasted into it and you want that information to be as original as possible not just senses and things that you can find for yourself but maybe somebody um, pasted in a, a birth record oh. that that wouldn't be available anywhere right. else or a marriage certificate or you know, Some other kind military of yeah. service or something. And so look for that tree that has the most stuff and then then see if that looks like it's the information okay. is supported. All right. Makes so sense. that would be the way. Yeah. Those are just use use trees as clues. Mm. Also, there's a um, there's a there's the capability of finding uh, the find a grave website, if you've ever heard of mm. that. On Ancestry, they'll usually link you over to Find a Grave. And that is a program that, you know, people have gone out and taken pictures of headstones. And and a lot of times there will be what they call biographies, which means that somebody has put in information that they think they know or Mm -hmm. or that they've researched. Um, I have found that um, there was one time when I didn't know the the maiden name of my great-great-grandmother, and this person did and uh, had it on this bi- biography. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, there's a link. There's an email link. So I used mm. that to connect with that person. And um, that, what's interesting is that person wasn't even in my family. He had done the research because he mm-hmm. bought the property that those people oh, wow. had originally yeah. built. And yeah. he was curious. Yeah. Anyway, he told me where a record was that named her maiden name in in Houston. And and I went to that church. Um, They were baptizing a child. And I went there and and was able to find that record. I don't know that I would have ever found that record had I not made that one little connection. Right. Right. Small world. The same thing with the DNA. I mean, it's so much fun to to get that ethnicity information. And um, but there's a whole lot of cousins that show up on that that <laughs> DNA too right, those right. those matches and of course you know I know people who brag about you know they have 21,000 cousins and you know that's not really that relevant but the ones that are maybe two three four fourth cousins they may have some information for you mm-hmm. and um, the best way to uh, leverage that is to use that email address again. The, 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 the program has the mm-hmm. ability to just connect with them directly mm-hmm. through Ancestry. Tell them who you are. Tell them the names of the, ans- uh, the, the, the surnames that you have in your family right. and ask them how, how do they think we're related. Now, sometimes they have a family tree on there, and so you can look, but often they don't or it's not very complete. Hmm. 
So I found that that's very helpful, and and I've discovered two two relatives there that I never knew I had. Oh, wow. And I would have been able to find those people if I had gone all the way back three generations, searched all the children on those <laughs> sisters or brothers of my, you know, great-great-grandmother, and then eventually been right. able to contact them in person. Wow. That would have taken a lifetime to yeah. do. This is a shortcut. It goes wow. directly to that person. Interesting. Many times they won't respond. Okay. But when they do, sometimes yeah. you can really uh, hit the jackpot. Yeah. All right. We're, we're running out of time. I want to ask you, uh, you've given us a lot of great advice and info. Uh, kind of wrapping it up, uh, biggest tip or one or two best pieces of advice? I mean, you've given us some great, play, you know, start online with some of that stuff, but kind of closing advice, bits of information to, to provide to us. Yeah. Um, don't take everything at face value. Mm. Um, make sure that you have the, the, the genealogical uh, society has standards and it's called the, the, the proof standard. Hmm. And one of those things is to do reasonably exhaustive research. And to professional researchers, that means kind of what I did in Poland to begin with. Right. But to the casual researcher or someone who's just interested in a little bit, make sure that you have multiple sources for information. Mm. Don't just rely on the fact that, that that person in the census said that, you know, Mary was 40 years old in 1930. Right. Aha, uh-huh, I found it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that her parents came from Germany. Right. You need you need to corroborate that right. with multiple pieces of information so that you're you're not just going down the wrong path and because mm. you're wasting your time doing that. That's a good point. Also, if you get information, make sure you write down the citation of where it came from mm. and describe it. Uh, put it in your notes. It, if you don't know how to do a, a formal citation, at least write down that you went, that you got the church book from this, the name of the church, and that was located wherever. If you found it on on Ancestry, then also put the URL. Mm. Now the URLs change over time, so you know you may not be able to go back and find it that way. But that's another way to do it. Right. If you have multiple pieces of information and they don't all um, that there are discrepancies a, in there. Yeah, good point. I want to know about this. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you know, you need to use your judgment on whether or not that can be rationalized. If three out of four say the same thing, maybe the fourth one is could be discounted? Yeah. I mean, you know, for instance, if, if one of the census has John and Mary and a whole bunch of kids and Mary is of an age where she couldn't have possibly had all those kids, right. um, then you need to figure out who Mary was mm-hmm. and maybe she was a second wife. Maybe she's not the mother to those children. Uh, okay. Um, and so, you know, that's got to be. There are many times when those ages are going to be wrong. Right. You know, that they're approximate. Right. Sometimes they're just dead wrong. But if three out of four all point to the same thing, they're all in the same location, the rest of the family is all there. The neat part about my, the, the immigration information in, in Poland, it named every one of those children. That, that were coming with him to the to America. Nice. I know I've got the right guy. Right. Because, 
you know, that way it matches that's... all of those children that I then found in Texas. Right. That's really good correlation. Yeah, that's an official record yep. right there. Yep. Hey, want to make sure you have a, a couple of seconds to talk about the Tracing Your Family Roots TV show. Tracing yeah. Your Family Roots TV show. Yeah. So um, it's actually on, if you have Cox, it's on Channel 10. And um, we do two 30-minute programs. We, we, we tape two 30-minute programs a month, and then we air those the next month. Mm-hmm. If you go onto the website, you can see the times when they're aired. If you miss that on television or if you don't get that channel, um, you can go online because they're all on YouTube. After Once they're aired, the next month they'll be on YouTube. Oh, and there's a zillion of them there. We have, we have interviewed um, people who have talked about German research, Irish. Uh, lately, we've been interviewing some of our members who are here in the area to talk to about their genealogical journey. Mm-hmm. Some of them have... We have a lot of very interesting people in this D.C. area. Yeah. And so it's it's some of them have written books. Um, there's there's all sorts of topics that we talk about that are all genealogy and historic related. OK, so that is Tracing Your Family Roots. And before we leave uh, your website, I think folks want to find out more information. Can they how can they track you down or your your society? And yep. MVGenealogy.org. And once you get into the site, then if you want to contact any of us, I'm president. You'll see that there's a place where you can you mm-hmm. can email any one of us. Okay. And and you can connect with us. That's the best way to connect right. with us. Okay. Cool. Yep. So much more I could ask, but we have a time limit, unfortunately. <laughs> Janelle, <laughs> thanks. Bad. Thanks. Yeah, this has been interesting, and and just the levels to which, if you want to take it that far, you can. And, and learn learn what you need to do about your family. So yeah, kind of kind of fascinating here. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're you're welcome. Absolutely. My pleasure. Absolutely enjoyed it. Genealogist, uh, geneal. I knew I couldn't say it at some <laughs> point. At least I got through the intro. Genealogist, Janelle Blue, <laughs> Mount Vernon Genealogical Society. Again, you can check out the group's monthly meetings, educational events at mvgenealogy.org. You can also check out Janelle's Tracing Your Family Root show, as she mentioned, Channel 10. Tune in on the first and third Wednesdays at 8, Saturdays at 7.30, and Sundays at 1. You can also find an archive of the shows at tracingroots.nova.org. As always, you can find county older adult services, recreation, community engagement opportunities by dialing 703-324-7948 or online at fairfaxcounty.gov olderadults. When you're on that page, be sure to subscribe to the monthly Golden Gazette newspaper and also link over from that web page to the uh, uh, Facebook 50 plus, uh, Fairfax 50 plus Facebook page, if I can talk today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fairfax 50 plus podcast, which is produced by the Fairfax County Virginia government.